0: This week, budget wrangling continues at the state capitol. Andrew Zimmern on the importance of food workers getting the COVID vaccine and a Minnesota wrestler is Olympics bound. But first, I recently spoke with former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota, Tom Heffelfinger, for some analysis on the Derek Chauvin trial.
1: It is compelling that uh, the chain of command above Chauvin almost uniformly have testified that his conduct was excessive. Uh, it was unnecessary. I think one phrase was totally unnecessary. It was excessive. And, uh, he should have quit earlier. Let's put it that way. Even if he was going to use a neck, like the, uh, Marshall, the, uh, one of the experts from the Minneapolis police department said, if you're going to use a neck, uh, restraint, wasn't this one. Number one, and number two, it wasn't that long. So, yes, I think the uh, unanimity with which the chain of command within the Minneapolis Police Department have testified that Chauvin's contact is unnecessary, excessive, and uh, outside of the norms of the Minneapolis Police Department.
0: Can you talk in, in general terms and then more specific to this case what kind of an impact emotional testimony has versus what you might get from expert witnesses? Uh, you know, obviously the emotional testimony is is pretty visceral. It's right there. You you, you get what the person is saying based on their emotions versus an expert who sometimes can get in the weeds a little bit. What kind of an impact might that have on a jury?
1: The emotional testimony is going to be rebutted to some degree by uh, jury instructions that instruct the jury to make decisions based on law and facts. It's not going to say don't Consider emotion, but it's going to try to distance that. In this case, the emotional testimony was also tied by some very compelling factual information by the same people. Uh, I'm thinking of Mr. Williams, the mixed martial arts instructor. He was he was pretty uh, emotional on the uh, on the on the sidewalk. But when he testified, he testified, I thought, with some really compelling information about uh, about compression of the neck and how it can kill you and how he learned that through his wrestling and his MMA career. Another witness who was very emotional but also very compelling was uh, Mr. McMillian, the older gentleman, uh, who testified pretty compellingly about his interaction with uh, Chauvin on the street uh, both a year or two earlier plus that particular evening. So I uh, if it was just emotional, I would say that it would be uh, secondary to the the factual testimony, but in this case the emotional witnesses were also key factual witnesses.
0: Obviously, throughout the process, as the state's witnesses have been testifying, the defense is trying to make the case that uh, pre existing health conditions, George Floyd's alleged drug use, uh, may have had some impact on his dying. Obviously, uh, based on the timeline that the judge set forth uh, at the beginning of this process, we we're probably about halfway through the state's uh, testimony from witnesses. We're going to be hearing from the defense soon. What do you expect them to do based on what the state has presented so far?
1: Well, they will have their own medical evidence. Uh, they will probably follow up on with their own expert regarding the uh, impact of that level of fentanyl in your system. Remember, the uh, the, the evidence regarding drugs isn't going to come primarily from a defense expert. It's going to come from the pathologist, Dr. Baker, who did the autopsy and the toxicologist in his office who found uh, 11 nanograms, in other words, almost an excessive amount in, in uh, Floyd's blood. I expect that. I expect we're going to hear uh, some use of force experts that will, be, will say that that uh, uh, next restraint was not excessive or was appropriate. Um, however, the defense has got one fundamental problem. They've, they've identified some issues that one could consider as, as sort of reasonable doubt. I'm thinking of <clears throat> the testimony of the last couple of days about whether Chauvin's knee was on, uh, on Floyd's back or on the back of his neck. Uh, and, and that all raises the fact that the judge in instructions and the parties, especially the defense in argument, even remind the jury that they need to look at all of the evidence, uh, and not just one witness or one bit of testimony. And the prosecution will do that, and a good example of that would be of that knee to the back testimony because they will also, you all, they will also call on the jury to remember the testimony of the EMT who said that he had to squeeze his hand in underneath Chauvin's knee in order to reach Floyd's carotid artery and determine that there was no pulse. So that's the, the, the body of evidence, uh, cannot be overcome by one or two pieces of testimony or one or two seconds of a uh, a nine-minute event.
0: Thank you to my guest, former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota, Tom Heffelfinger. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, coworkers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota.
2: Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. Brighten
0: your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. State lawmakers return to the Capitol this week after their Passover and Easter break. Work is now gearing up on the next two year state budget, which must be finished by the legislature's mid May adjournment deadline, or a special session will be necessary to avoid state government shutdown on July 1st. MNN's Bill Warner is here with a report on where we're at.
3: Scott, the political situation is not all that much different from other years when control of the legislature has been split between the two parties, what's called divided government in the current parlance. But the outside factor that does make a big difference this time around is COVID-19, and the effects of the pandemic will continue to play out, including in the debate over the state budget. The issue, as in the past, is taxes and spending. But complicating the debate is how fast Minnesotans are vaccinated, how quickly the economy recovers, and how the billions coming to Minnesota from the federal government under the American Rescue Act will be spent. On Monday, the day before lawmakers came back from break, House Democrats rolled out their tax bill, which, as expected, includes a top income tax increase. The mechanism is the creation of a fifth income tax bracket with a higher tax rate. Democrats say revenue raised will go to help Minnesotans who are struggling. House Speaker Melissa Hortman.
4: Our budget addresses needs for those most impacted by COVID. Instead of the Republican proposals that seem to focus on those who did the best during covid
3: republican representative greg davids from preston responds minnesotans do not want a tax increase when the state has a 1.6 billion dollar budget surplus and billions more coming from the federal government
1: we can't do that and we won't do that so we really don't need to spend a whole lot of time on their proposal because it's not going anywhere
3: democrats have a majority in the minnesota house so their tax increase plan will likely pass there But it will hit a brick wall in the Republican-controlled Minnesota Senate. Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says about tax increases. That's
0: the last thing we need right now. Typically, that's the small business owner that had to go all through this very difficult year of COVID shutdown. They're the ones that they want to raise the taxes on.
4: Republicans want to cut taxes for people who did the best during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're just saying everybody in Minnesota can pitch in and we can get through this together in a way that's fair and makes our state stronger over the long term.
3: House Speaker Hortman, the simmering debate over a gas tax increase again blew wide open this week at the Minnesota legislature after a measure popped up in House Democrats' transportation budget bill to index the gasoline tax to infrastructure construction costs. Wasica Republican John Petersburg warning. It increases the cost for the individual just driving back forth their kids to school, etc., uh, or, or even to the store. And Petersburg says increased costs for businesses to transport products and materials will be passed on to consumers. But Minneapolis Democrat Frank Hornstein contends revenue from a gas tax increase will help jumpstart Minnesota's economy.
0: Investments in infrastructure, particularly roads, bridges and public transit, are some of our best bang for our public dollar in terms of return on investment.
3: Hornstein said a steep increase in the gasoline tax is still needed, but he says he's making a huge concession.
0: In an attempt to reach across the aisle, in an attempt to make some sort of progress with the Senate to move forward, it's
5: unconscionable. This is not the way the legislature is supposed to work.
3: Hanska Republican Paul Torkelson objecting the proposal thrown in at the last minute with no chance for the public to review it or lawmakers to research it.
5: Obviously, this bill is on a fast track to get it to the House floor. Uh, there's not time to address the issues that are raised. And I, for one, am extremely disappointed.
0: Madam Chair. Chair Ma- Horns- Madam Chair. Madam Chair. Madam Chair. I would just take strong issue with your last statement, Representative Torkelson. And Hornstein
3: said with very few exceptions.
0: Every single one of these provisions uh, has been heard or introduced or, I, or is not necessarily controversial.
3: But a gas tax increase is highly controversial and almost certainly would not pass the Republican-controlled Minnesota Senate. Republicans there propose using more of the current sales tax on auto parts to fund transportation projects. And they repeat no tax increases while Minnesota's economy is still recovering from COVID. A recent Minnesota Supreme Court decision on prosecution of sexual assault cases has lawmakers pushing for a fast-track change to Minnesota law. The high court ruled that someone who is raped while they're intoxicated is not considered mentally incapacitated unless they were given alcohol or drugs without their consent. Democratic Representative Kelly Moeller from Shoreview contends that ruling makes it more difficult to get sex assault convictions. The
4: tools aren't
2: readily available for prosecutors in those situations now where a victim is, we call it, voluntarily intoxicated and then is sexually assaulted.
3: Republican Marion O'Neill from Maple Lake says the Supreme Court ruling underscores the need to change criminal sexual conduct laws to reflect that all victims unable to consent need justice, not just those who have been forcibly intoxicated. Democratic Senator Ron Lance from St. Louis Park says proposed legislation. It is so
0: well supported that it
2: is the number one priority of the bipartisan, bicameral, bipartisan caucus that met Monday morning to identify priority legislation for the end of the legislative session.
3: Scott, it looks like lawmakers will address this issue before the end of the regular session, but much less certain is whether they can resolve their differences over tax increases and pass a new budget by the May 17th deadline that Governor Walz can sign and avoid either a special session or state government shutdown on the 1st of July. Thank you for that report,
0: Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, Minnesota health officials teamed up with Twin Cities-based celebrity chef Andrew Zimmern to encourage people working in frontline industries to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. Tasha Radel has more.
2: That's right, Scott. Governor Tim Walz and his staff kicked off a new statewide campaign this week: Roll Up Your Sleeves, Minnesota, an effort to connect frontline workers to the resources they need to get vaccinated at community sites. Restaurant workers are the initial focus of the campaign. Joining me today is Chef Andrew Zimmern. Chef, let's talk a little bit about the Roll Up Your Sleeves Minnesota effort and why you joined. Well, it's part of the governor's broader Roll Up Your Sleeves Minnesota uh, campaign, uh, which is uh, an effort to get workers who are in specific and critical and highlighted industries Connected to the resources they need to get vaccinated. Um, You know, I would love everyone who's able to. And if you have elderly relatives, if you have younger relatives, because now we've learned that uh, young people 16 and up uh, can have uh, access to vaccines, although they're probably very technically savvy, is to get all Minnesotans connected to the uh, mn.gov slash vaccine connector. Uh, which allows everyone to find, quote-unquote, their place in line. Uh, and we can get the entire state vaccinated very, very quickly, 16 and up. Uh, the vaccines are coming in regularly. We can get people signed up regularly. But there's a hesitancy that people have uh, to do this. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. So I'd like people to know that getting vaccinated is safe. It's effective. It's going to protect uh, ourselves, it's going to protect our families and loved ones. It's going to get us all back to being with the people we've loved and the things we, we've missed. And it's going to end this pandemic. Um, by if we really want to mitigate, flatten the curve, contain to use an old 2020 phrase, uh, and contain this thing, we have to get everybody vaccinated. There's also the issue of the race against the variants. Um, and th- that's, that's tricky because for many people, that's an unseen enemy, right? Uh, sick is sick. Uh, and there seems to be a national mood uh, disorder that this uh, pandemic is over. Um, we are, we, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But if we really want this to be over, we need to get everybody vaccinated. And I applaud the governor and Lieutenant Governor Flanagan and their incredible team uh, for prioritizing food service workers to receive the vaccines. Um, They're the, the first group today, I believe that is getting prioritized. The governor and his office and the uh, Department of Health are all targeting uh, different uh, frontline and second line workers to receive uh, the vaccine. And today it is, the, uh, it is the restaurant community. Chef, we know the COVID-19 pandemic has hit the restaurant and hospitality sector extremely hard over the past year. Can you share what this has been like for you personally? Uh, the, w- <laughs> the worst work year uh, of my life, that's for sure. Um, uh, obviously, with a lot of uh, public-facing businesses that I own, whether it's uh, restaurants, partnerships in restaurants, all of which were closed, then reopened, then at 25%, then closed again, then takeout only, then delivery, Pivot, pivot, pivot. Our industry has been asked to pivot uh, more than anyone and creatively hung in, with, hung in there. All the while, the restaurant industry in America has represented the highest number of people on unemployment collectively, as much as 25% uh, at one point. Um, obviously, my TV work uh, has, uh, you know, when there's a pandemic going on, we can't connect with other people. Uh, the same way we were. So ordering stopped, uh, the buyers stopped buying. Um, So it's been a very, very difficult year. On the flip side of that, I'm extremely blessed. Um, I had the good fortune to be able, uh, while not taking a paycheck, uh, to be able to sit on the sideline for a year. Um, I can feel things coming back. Our phone is ringing more. Restaurants are reopening uh, with increasing percentages of occupancy. So, I, you know, like I said, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I, I'm, I'm on a daily basis reminded the, the, the horrors of seeing so many small businesses across America, including independent restaurants, that have had to close. And I'm not sure we've seen really what the net net full effect of this uh, has been and probably won't uh, for several months. Um, there are so many restaurants that, yes, have said they are officially closed and they have closed. Then there, I, I owned one of them. Then we have restaurants that hung a door in their sign that said, you know, we'll be open when this is over. Those restaurants are really closed and, and maybe closed forever. Perhaps the owners just don't know it yet. And so it's, it's really going to be difficult. So many in the restaurant industry went into heavy debt this year just to survive all this pivoting. Remember, they're only taking in 25, 50, 75% of income in an industry where you have to, you know, you're lucky if you bring seven and a half, eight percent 8% to the bottom line. So uh, I have tremendous concerns about it. I don't, now is uh, not the time for overanalyzing. Now is the time to continue to push to get everyone in Minnesota vaccinated. And that's why I love the Roll Up Your Sleeves uh, Minnesota campaign and applaud the governor for all the tough choices, actually, over the last year that he and the lieutenant governor and their teams have had to make. Thanks again to my guest, our very own Minnesota celebrity chef, Andrew Zimmern. Back to you,
0: Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love, love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make them breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher star wrestler Gable Steveson of Apple Valley has had quite an interesting past five weeks. He won his second consecutive Big Ten heavyweight championship on March 7th at Penn State followed that up by winning his first national championship on March 20th in St. Louis. And then last weekend, he won the U.S. Olympic Trials in Fort Worth, Texas, and will represent the United States in freestyle wrestling at this summer's Olympic Games in Japan. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down this week with Steveson. Take me through what this last uh, five or six weeks has been like for you.
4: Um, It's been been really long, to be honest. I went from... Big Ten championships, got the outstanding wrestler at that tournament, winning my second Big Ten title. Then, about a week and a half later, going to the NCAA tournament, winning the Hodge Trophy. Now I go to the Olympic trials and I'm on the Olympic team. So it's been a crazy like past month and like jam packed with a lot of stuff, but I came victorious on all of them. And it's just the next step is going to keep coming.
5: I remember you and I talking maybe a year ago at this time when when kind of the trap door started to fall out and, and we talked about the grind that the next year would be. In fact, I remember even asking you, you know, cuz there were there are some guys that have skipped their college portion of the season to train for the Olympics and at that point you said, "No, I'm going to I'm going to roll with everything and try to do it all." Well, now you've done it all. What um, you know, what kind of a grind was it? As big of a grind as you thought it would be?
4: Um, I knew it was going to be tough, a lot of tough opponents, a lot of um long long time away from home and stuff, especially with like the COVID rules that we had. We had to leave like two extra days early than we normally, and so I mean, it was a grind and I knew it was going to be a grind, but you can't be a champ without the grind, so and I'm the champ.
5: That you are, there's no question. Did you um you know, here this is going to sound like a weird question cuz I know how hard you work and I know how much you put into it? but you make it look so easy. I mean, did you think it would come this easy, knowing how much work you put into it, but that you would you know, kind of breeze through it the way you did? Um,
4: I, I always expect to, uh, to breeze through a lot of things, but you always got to expect that that opponents are going to give you their best effort, too. I mean, I don't – it's actually – when I'm on the mat, like, and I'm going through the motions, like, it's actually – people think it's, like, super easy, but I'm really out there, like, hitting it really hard, like, 110%. And so, like, I like to have it that the outside people think I'm not even trying and I'm not breaking a sweat, but like in reality, like I'm actually going like really hard and like trying to make it as look like look as best as I can, so you guys think I'm not going as hard. And so it's 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 a tough thing, but the I mean the amount of work I put in, it's just it matches the the energy well.
5: The script has kind of been fun too, in the sense that you have uh, uh, created a signature backflip after some of these big wins. Um, uh, how um, how did that come about? Uh, incorporating that, and two, um, do you practice that a little bit on your own? And how did you realize that? Yeah, you're you're uh, you're good enough to do that too.
4: The backflip just came when I was really young, and so I started my senior high school after the championship, and then I knew I was going to do it at the NCAA championship. And because I post like a little video, like or if I should do it, and people are like, you should do this. And then at the Olympic trials, I was not expecting the whole crowd to, like, stand up and scream backflip a bunch of times. And so I was I was wiped out because, I mean, Gwiz is a he's a tough dude, and so I was I was already gassed the second match. And so they were like, backflip, backflip, and I just, I was like, you know what, one more time, and I just flipped it, and it it went perfect. So the backflip is like my signature now. People love it, and everywhere I go, people ask for it.
5: Yeah, it's pretty sweet, no doubt, and it's uh, you know it's all part of. You mentioned you're the champ. Um, I know you've talked about this with us on Gopher Talk before. That you know, down the road, I want to ask you about the Olympics and your future. But down, down the road, you're you're hoping uh, you know to create a career uh, WWE professional wrestling, and I suppose all this could be <laughs> incorporated into building that uh, that that identity, right?
4: Yeah, it's just me building my own name and uh, creating the biggest name that I can, and creating a. Of like f- facilitating my own style that people can go off of, and I know a lot of people already know who I am in the in the wrestling world, and so me trying to branch out into the to the pro wrestling world and, and gain their fans is going to be a big thing too, just because they can all pay attention to me when I'm wrestling, and they can they can get to know me before they even I even step on a TV, and so yeah, the WWE is has been big dreams, MMA's big dreams, and I, I enjoy both sides of them, and we'll see where where I head soon, but. The Olympics is going to come first, and I want the gold medal.
5: Yeah, the Olympics, of course, coming up here uh, in uh, Japan, Tokyo. uh, They'll start in July. The the wrestling portion of that, I think, starts in early August in terms of competition. Um, A couple of questions about that. The trials themselves, you had to win twice in the championship um, against a guy that beat you uh the last time you uh, you faced him i guess what was that a year, a little over a year ago and um you not only and and he was dominant heading into the championship just as you were I, I don't think he had given up but a point or two and you i think combined 20 to four you beat him in the two matches um you know t- t- take me through the the mentality that you had to have to uh, to do what you did there
4: um i mean he 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 beat me when i was uh really young and not not like really developed yet and so about a year and a half later, got back to the work, got a little older. And, I mean, I'm I'm reaching my, my prime in wrestling, and he's getting out of his prime. And so, yeah, I mean, he's about 28 years old. And so I knew that if I can reach through the first match, that it would play with his mind game, and he would be like, oh, geez, like this young kid came to play today. Yeah. And it, it happened, and then the next match, I just went through it again. And. He's, a, he's, he, I mean, he's done his job as, as he was to heavyweight, and he, he's passed the torch the right way, and I'm happy just to, to take in his shoes and, and go to the Olympics myself.
0: That's Gopher wrestler Gable Steveson and MNN sports director Mike Grimm. In addition to everything else, Steveson became the second Gopher to win the Dan Hodge trophy, given to the nation's top collegiate wrestler when that award was announced last week. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.